Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work. Until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own My Pillow, it has changed my life. What makes My Pillow so different is My Pillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. When you do, Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. How do I get this all in today? We're going to make it work, and we've got a full, complete investigation into everything. Friday was not a good day for me to be off. I needed to be here, but uh, circumstances rendered it impossible for that to happen. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Sarah Carter, new investigative report. The FBI supervisor, this guy that we are hearing an awful lot about, Peter Stroke, was uh, removed from the special counsel. He actually not only was involved in Hillary's email server, and the exoneration before the investigation, in other words, cover up, the fix was in. Everything with the Clintons, the fix is in. Anyway, he not only was involved in Trump-Russia collusion, he was not only the guy that's out there trashing President Trump and loving on Hillary Clinton, now we find out he is the guy that actually investigated Robert Mueller. This is a huge problem. This is a major prob- problem. General Flynn, by the way, this... Not Robert Mueller. General Flynn. Sorry, I got a lot of names in my head. All right. 
Now, there is a poll out today, survey, according to YouGov poll, 60% of Trump supporters or approve of him said they agree with the president's claim that the media is the enemy of the American people. The media is so corrupt today. It is so blatantly biased and dishonest. I saw a piece, I think it was on an American thinker. I got to find out who the liberal was and actually wrote a piece and I'll tweet it out. Oh, I don't agree with a thing Sean Hannity says, except that journalism in America is dead and lays out a powerful case. And then one of the most interesting things is I've said this for years. Once you're hip, once your eyes are open, once you're awake, once you see clearly that there's abusive bias in the media, you can't not see it anymore. As a matter of fact, you see it more deeply and more deeply and more deeply than you ever thought. And so it's not something we have complained about, but we lay out the case regularly so you know you're being lied to by people that have agendas that claim they're fair, balanced, objective, and they're journalists. You know, Sean Hannity claims he's not a journalist. Like, I'm a talk show host. Talk show host takes on many roles, advocacy, journalism, opinionated journalism. Sometimes we do straight-up interviews. Sometimes we do uh, information, straight up. Sometimes we do news and opinion. Sometimes we do debates. Sometimes we do, you know, disagreement, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, it's, I'm not – but they they claim they're journalists, and they're – Rachel Maddow believes she's a journalist. I mean, Joe uh, – morning liberal Joe, who's having one emotional breakdown a day after the other, he, you know, he thinks the same. By the way, this is just breaking. Let me – I'm reading it to you now as we have uh, – as this is coming in. Justice Department has agreed to allow congressional investigators to interview a key FBI employee believed to have served as the main contact – or handler of the former British intelligence agent Christopher Steele, who compiled that phony Russian propaganda Clinton DNC bought and paid for salacious dossier about President Trump and their connections to Russia, according to a department spokesperson. Well, that is a a good thing. And uh, they believe this is a central point of contact for the dossier. And it's expected this week. And the source, uh, let's see, is not steering us away from the two names publicly circulating. And that's this guy, Peter Stroke, who I'm going to go into detail in a minute about. And the deputy director, Andrew McCabe, who, according to all my contacts now, is his la- in his last days. And McCabe, remember, he's the one whose wife got all that money running Terry McAuliffe raising money, a state job or state position, state legislative position in the Commonwealth of Virginia, unprecedented amounts of money. Anyway, McCabe's uh, alleged conflicts about the contributions to his wife's Senate race and money from McAuliffe, one of the Clinton's best BFFs and his PAC, are well documented. Separately, McCabe also came into conflict with General Michael Flynn, who went to bat for a female FBI agent in an EEO suit that involved McCabe. And anyway, they've now confirmed the dossier witness is Andrew McCabe, and he is not coming Thursday as expected. They're citing a scheduling issue. There's so much that is unfolding here. It is it is it's hard to keep up. It just is. But we're going to do it for you and we're going to get all this in. Now, let me start very closely here from the Democrats standpoint. They think, oh, General Flynn, he signed. He lied. 
Well, we're going to get to that in all its detail here. Let me first play the president and his comments how unfairly Flynn has been treated. If we can play that, Jason. Well, I feel badly for General Flynn. I feel very badly. He's led a very uh, strong life, and I feel very badly, John. I will say this. Uh, Hillary Clinton lied many times to the FBI. Nothing happened to her. Flynn lied, and they destroyed his life. I think it's a shame. Hillary Clinton, on the 4th of July weekend, went to the FBI, not under oath. It was the most incredible thing anyone's ever seen. She lied many times. Nothing happened to her. Flynn lied, and it's like they ruined his life. It's very unfair. Yeah, okay, and that's the point I've been making again and again. We know of obstruction. We know of crimes committed. And I won't go through them all now because if I did, it would take the whole show again about all the crimes the Clintons committed. Now, let me tell you what this fleet, this uh, Michael Flynn, General Flynn guilty plea. You know, everyone's got their own interpretation of this. Let me remind you of a couple of things here. And this we're going to get to the bottom of it all. And there is some breaking news here I'll share with you in a minute. But General Flynn, remember, was the incoming national security advisor. Putting aside Brian Ross and ABC and his phony report, oh, that this was this was when it was candidate Trump. No, it wasn't. I'd like to know who told Brian Ross that. And I'm kind of shocked that Brian Ross still has a job today. You know, you've got some saying that, okay, Michael Flynn reported making a false statement. Let me tell you what I suspect in this, and I have no confirmation of this at all. Was it the fact, did Weissman pull and use his usual unethical tactics of threatening family members with possible indictment? Uh, What tactics were used here against General Flynn? Now, here's another big question. We know in the case of General Flynn that he was surveilled in this call with his Russian counterpart, We know that he was unmasked illegally, that there was no minimization that took place, which should have taken place. And then we know that raw intelligence was leaked. Now, that is a crime in and of itself with the leaking of raw intelligence here. You know, so the whole thing, if you look at it now, when I read the five pages of this agreement, they throw in all the time a lot of uh, Russian interference, Russian interference, Russian interference. There is nothing about Russian interference in the charge that he's lying to the FBI and why he did doesn't make any sense from my perspective anyway, because even among those that had no problem with 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 Trump transition team members talking to their counterparts, the Obama administration earlier this year said unequivocally that it did not have a problem with that, meaning Trump transition team members reaching out to foreign officials, contrary to the report suggesting otherwise. In January of, of 2017, the State Department spokesman, this is before Trump's president, January 20th, this building doesn't see anything necessarily inappropriate about contacts between members of the incoming administration and foreign officials. Frankly, it would be negligence if they didn't do these things. And the specific issues were that they're basically sending a strong message that, hey, uh, times are changing here, just hang in because you know, 7, 20, 30 days from now, things are going to be decidedly different in all of this. 
But if you listen to those that believe every black helicopter conspiracy theory about the president and want to believe in collusion, Paul Manafort had nothing to do with Trump-Russia collusion, nor did General Flynn. There is one message to take out of this. Don't talk to the FBI. If As much as I love law enforcement, respect law enforcement. My FBI friends have said, don't talk to the FBI because lying to the FBI is a crime. So if you don't remember something perfectly, forget about what the underlying reason for the interview could be. If you don't remember it right, they're going to characterize it potentially as lying and and then they would want to put you away. And that's Trump detractors. See, the deal is a huge milestone. What is he going to turn up on Trump? All he did in his plea is Flynn admitted, okay, on the issue of this FBI investigation, we had two agents now that interviewed General Flynn. And what we just learned prior to coming on the air today, we put it up on Hannity.com, is that one of the FBI agents that interviewed General Flynn happens to be this guy, FBI agent Peter Stroke. He was similarly involved with Hillary Clinton and the email server scandal. And remember, that's the one where the fix was in. That's the one where Comey was writing in May his exoneration without any investigation. That's the one, the same guy that was involved with some woman and they're texting back and forth how much they hate Trump and love Hillary. And then it's the same guy that inter- that that was going into the dossier, the email, the dossier uh, issue. Uh, the same guy that's interviewing Michael Flynn. Well, this guy's biased. This guy has an agenda, as it appears to me that Comey has a lot of questions to answer about his politicizing of these individual cases. How could anybody ever listen to Loretta Lynch when she says, change it from an investigation to a matter, and Comey did it. How is it possible that James Comey is writing an exoneration of Hillary Clinton with the words gross negligence in them before ever investigating or interviewing the key participants in the investigation, some 16 or 17 of them, including Hillary Clinton himself? So now we're 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 looking a little bit more deeply. And what we've got here is what I have been fearing and warning about for a long time. One, the weaponization of the intelligence community vis-a-vis General Flynn is surveilled. There's no minimization. He's unmasked and raw intelligence is leaked. And it looks like they set him up for an interview based on raw intelligence. Nobody should have been listening to unless, of course, the FISA warrant came from the phony Russian dossier that Hillary bought and paid for as a justification to get the surveillance warrant. I mean, do you see that this is all intertwined together? And I'm telling you, this house of cards is going to come a crashing down. It's not going to stand. I promise you, it's not going to stand. And on top of it, then you've got the Trump-Russia investigation and all of it, you know, basically, as uh, Byron York puts out in his piece, is contingent on the violation of the Logan Act, a 218-year-old law under which no one has ever been prosecuted that prohibits private citizens from acting on behalf of the United Nations. Well, you'd want an incoming NSA uh, director to be talking to his counterparts prior to the day of actually being on the job. That's just basic, simple common sense. And and the Logan Act, by the way, has never been applied here. 
Now, I also think that uh, our friend Andrew McCarthy has a great interpretation. This is not about Trump-Russia collusion. This isn't even about obstruction anymore. This is about impeachment. I'll explain that as we continue today. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. All right, if you've been to the mall out shopping recently, I'm sure you've noticed everyone is coming down with holiday fever. There's no such thing as a quick shopping trip. Now, luckily, 1-800-Flowers.com, well, they make finding the perfect gift a joyous and simple occasion. Just go to 1-800-Flowers. That is your holiday answer. And right now, 1-800-Flowers is giving you, my listeners, a special 24 for 24 offer. You get 24 beautiful holiday lights roses and it's only 24 bucks that's a dollar a rose that's 24 holiday lights roses only 24 bucks it's an unreal deal but it expires on wednesday and when it comes to meaningful holiday moments trust the quality bouquets at 1-800-flowers.com like i do now to order 24 holiday lights roses for only 24 bucks it's simple just go to 1-800-flowers.com click on the radio icon enter my last name hannity 1-800-flowers.com click on the radio icon my last name, Hannity. Now, this offer ends Wednesday. Get it for the people you love now. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So Byron York goes into this long piece today how uh, people during the Obama years and some holdovers suspected Flynn was violating the Logan Act, the 218-year-old law under which no one has ever been prosecuted prohibiting private citizens from acting on behalf of the United States. It appears that's where it all began and that the Obama Justice Department, you know, it appears the Logan Act became the paramount concern among these officials. To me, it sounds like a rationalization for what was really going on, which we now know was likely the phony Christopher Steele, Hillary funded, Hillary controlled DNC funded dossier with salacious materials which then, of course, from there leads to unmasking and, and leaking of, of raw intelligence, which is in, of itself a crime. But Sally Yates, the former deputy attorney general at the time, told Congress the Logan Act was the reason she intervened in the Flynn case and the reason the FBI sent agents to the White House to interview Flynn. And this is where... Flynn either didn't remember properly or lied. He said in this uh, in this thing last week that he lied. And by the way, Democrats now they they went out and they were all talking about the Logan Act in the summer of 2016. Logan Act, Logan Act, Logan Act, because a lot of things were happening that none of us know about. Claire McCaskill and, you know, you got everybody else in between Tom Vilsack and Nancy Pelosi and, and Lawrence Tribe and. You know, Senator uh, Chris Coons and Sheldon Whitehouse and Patrick Murray and uh, et cetera, et cetera. They're all going out there. And then it, remember during the Comey hearings that he was asked specifically if an American citizen conducted meetings with a Russian individual has been sanctioned by the U.S. about potential weakening of U.S. sanctions policy. Is that a violation of the Logan Act? I don't think it's appropriate to answer that. So obviously there was a lot of chatter at the time going on about all of this. And then, of course, then we talk about the specific dates, and that is when they feel that when Flynn actually spoke to his Russian counterpart, uh, Kislyak, about the pending U.N. resolution about Israeli settlements, and then speaking again about the new sanctions Obama imposed on Russia in retaliation for the election meddling, which, by the way, you would think 
that General Flynn wants to talk about. Not even sure why he would not just tell the whole story. Makes no sense. We'll continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. You know, I just think as we now go through this, now maybe a lot of you understand there's always a method behind my madness. And this country is in serious trouble. We've got to now ask some very serious questions. Ask yourself a few serious questions here. And a lot of it has to do with the rule of law, equal application of the rule of law, equal justice under the law, because right now we have two things simultaneously emerging. And I'm being very upfront here. We have now weaponized our intelligence gathering in this country to be used against American citizens. This is not funny. This is probably the single greatest threat. You know, my buddy Mark Levinson, we live in a post-constitutional America. And if the intelligence community is taking those powerful tools that we need to fight evil in our time, and they're turning them on the American people, And if they're illegally surveilling and unmasking and we know leaking raw intelligence and they're not using the proper protocols, because the whole thing with General Flynn, it should have been handled by a process known as minimization. In other words, it's perfectly legitimate, the right thing to do for the intelligence community to be spying on our enemies or potential enemies and at least know what these people are up to. So in the course of doing that with Michael, General Flynn's counterpart, well, General Flynn is on the other line of the phone. Now, once they recognize it is an American, they are supposed to then minimize what it is that they are listening to. And as a general rule, the report, when they write out a report, is that, all right, the equivalent to General Flynn in Moscow, you know, said this, this, and this, and an American said this. They wouldn't identify. When you identify, you unmask them. And you think back, Samantha Powers on unmasking a day. Why would the, the U.N. ambassador be requesting information on Americans that they be unmasked? And then we know, in the case of General Flint, all of this whole thing gets started and is predicated on what is clearly the potential of illegally obtained information. Just like... I I am pretty certain at this point, time will tell, we have to wait when the information is fully available, but we now know for a fact Hillary Clinton paid for the Steele dossier. It wasn't a Republican. That talking point in the media is a lie. Yeah, a Republican hired Fusion GPS. Michael Steele was not in the picture until it was picked up by Hillary Clinton's campaign and by the DNC, the Donna Brazil says she was running. Now, yeah, we all support law enforcement. But if there are those within law enforcement or intelligence that we count on to use these tools, listen, let's be honest. If they want to hear every conversation you've ever had, if they want to listen in, if they want all your emails, if they want all your text messages, they can get them. It's not even a question anymore that the technology is available. Bill Binney, 34-year NSC, uh, I'm sorry, NSA operative, who's worked for the NSA for all these years, and other people all say the same thing, that everything is metadata stored. 
He said it repeatedly on this program. But that doesn't make it right or legal. You know, and the reason that we got to look at what it is that Comey did here with Hillary Clinton is it's important. Do we have one system of justice for the Clintons? Do we have another system of justice for Paul Manafort or General General Flynn? Because we know Hillary Clinton violated laws and obstructed justice. And we know that she set up an illegal server. And we know she mishandled classified top secret and special access program information. SAS programs, the top level of, in, in terms of top secret, that's it. That's the top. And we know she then bleach bit, acid washed her computers and their hard drives. And we know she had AIDS breaking up, busting up Blackberries with hammers. That's why it's important because now we're comparing and contrasting. You know, where we're going in terms of investigation. That's why it's so frustrating not knowing what the Attorney General Sessions is doing. And if if we have the weaponization of intelligence and the politicization of justice in America, if we're criminalizing political differences and and that people are fundamentally corrupt and abusing power and on a witch hunt. uh, There's no constitution at that point. There is a Fourth Amendment protection against illegal search and seizure. Imagine if the Fusion GPS Hillary Clinton funded a salacious Russian propaganda dossier ended up being the predicate or the foundation for the FISA warrants to then candidate and then President-elect Trump and his campaign team. It will all have been predicated on Clinton bought and paid for lies. We know she bought and paid for them. We know she was controlling the DNC. So we weaponize the tools of intelligence. And then we have selective implementation of the laws based on one's politics, which it appears. Why did Comey write an exoneration before an investigation? Why did he listen to Loretta Lynch? about it's a it's not an investigation it's a matter you know how did she get away with meeting bill clinton on the tarmac just days before her decision you know did was the fbi relying on the christopher steel phony dossier did comey want to pay christopher steel i'm just telling you these are two things that are now in play in terms of if we're going to get back on track This isn't an assault. I I praise the intelligence community, the 99.9%, the 99.9% of law enforcement. But you get one bad cop, it hurts every cop. We have one bad intelligence official or one bad high-ranking FBI official. We've got problems. And that's what needs to be investigated. Because otherwise we'll lose the country. We'll be a banana republic. You know, Newt brought up a good point. The difference between Hillary Clinton's unsworn testimony last year and the ruthless approach against General Flynn is astonishing. And it may be predicated on what? Is it a chance that that surveillance was illegal? You know, I've got to tell you, so, you know, and now we got an offer of the Office of Inspector General. We expect that report not that long for probably next month, early next month. They're reviewing allegations regarding various actions of the Department of Justice and the FBI in advance of the 2016 election. And I hope in the immediate aftermath of the election, 
They're supposed to review, among other things, consider whether certain underlying investigative decisions were based on improper considerations. It would include issues that might arise during the course of the review. And they've been reviewing allegations involving communications between certain individuals. Well, you got this guy who was involved in the Clinton email investigation. Peter Stroke is his name. And then we find out Peter Stroke also was investigating the dossier. And then we find out Peter Stroke today, and we'll have Sarah Carter on, was actually one of the two FBI agents interviewing Michael Flynn. And Peter Stroke hates Donald Trump. I mean, these are five, you know, simple things that you can learn about these guys, you know, that are pretty, pretty, pretty basic and simple. He's reportedly having an affair with an FBI lawyer who often texted anti-Trump, pro-Clinton things. And this guy's up to his eyeballs in everything, it appears. And why did Mueller choose him? Just like why did Mueller only pick Democratic donors? Didn't have any Trump supporters that I saw that donated to Trump on this, this team he's put together. And then he hires Andrew Weissman, the worst of the worst. This guy was responsible for putting innocent people in jail and using unethical, abusive tactics. Read the 9-0 decision. It's brutal. Very few decisions in the Supreme Court come out 9-0. And his treatment and the investigation of Enron and Anderson uh, Accounting and Merrill Lynch in that particular case. I mean, 5-0, the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, he lost there too. In the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, he lost. Anyway, so... Peter Stroke was removed from the investigation in August. The question is, why did Mueller have him there? Just like, why does he have Weissman there at this particular point in time? Okay, he's removed from all of this, but he was up to, what did he do in the Clinton email investigation? We know that Comey exonerated her before investigating her. And that Stroke took part in that investigation and he personally interviewed her. By that time, the fix was in, we know. Changing from gross negligence to extreme carelessness. Gross negligence being the legal standard in that particular case. What else do we know about this guy? You know, that he was named in a lawsuit against the FBI for its use of polygraphs when interviewing applicants. I don't know about that too much. Big deal. But this guy, look at the people that Mueller has put together. Look at their backgrounds. Look at what they're saying here. You know, Matt Drudge put out a tweet this weekend. We know what happens when one lies to the FBI. By the way, ask Martha Stewart. Denny Hastert, you know, was taking out $9,900. It's so stupid. Obviously trying to get below the threshold $10,000. If you take $10,000, always take out $50,000. Don't take out ten or $9,999 because they're not stupid. And he was making payments to somebody. Okay, it's his money. He's allowed to do what he wants. But then he lied to the FBI. They couldn't. Statute of limitations prevented them from getting him on something else. Same with Martha Stewart. Same thing. Now General Flynn. And if you only if you only have here, which is Andy McCarthy's point, you know, often prosecutors, you know, if they've got the goods on you for something big, they're going to charge you with the something big and force you to really be cooperative against who your big target is. Well, lying to the FBI is basically the lowest hanging fruit standard. So they got that, and, oh, well, you know, General Flynn is going to cooperate. Cooperate in what? There's nothing there. But 
Andy McCarthy rightly points out that when this report is done, that their, their target is how it's always been and will always be Donald Trump. And that's why Mueller put together this team of activists working for him. And I'm also getting a lot an earful in the last 24 hours that there is information out there about uh, others that work closely with Mueller that are just like this guy Peter Stroke, and that they too. Um, hang on a second, writing somebody. There you go. And that they too hate Trump and loved Hillary Clinton. You know, then you got Brian Ross and the fake media. You know, if I got this correct, Democrats and liberals are ec- ecstatic. They're so happy about General Flynn. But it might have been an illegal wiretap. I thought liberals were civil libertarian like me. Apparently not. I want to know who did what, who knew what, when and where. You know, it's like, um, and then you got Brian Ross. Oh, Okay. Anyone else go along with this? Who who gave him that information? That's what I want to know. I also think that, by the way, if we're going to talk about the Logan Act, what was Obama doing with the Chinese president? Saying, I'm willing to continue my role in strengthening mutual understanding, exchange, and cooperation between China and the United States. Is he trying to undermine the president? Mm, pretty interesting. I want to know who planted this story with Brian Ross on top of that. What happens, as Drudge said, we know what happens when one lies to the FBI. What happens, what is the punishment when the FBI lies to us? And there's a lot of questions about Comey, and I started last night. I'm just waiting for answers, and I'm not holding my breath either. You know, and then you got all these other people in the media. They're like having, we, we are at a crossroads. If this country is going to watch its intelligence community weaponize those tools of intelligence, use them illegally against their political opposition, or we're going to have the criminalization of political differences and politicizing something as powerful as the FBI and the Department of Justice. That's what matters. Because all these anti-Trump people investigating, giving Hillary a break, and bringing the, the force of law down in every other case, is despicable. And by the way, I agree with Alan Dershowitz. The Flynn plea is a show of weakness for Mueller. And I'll tell you one other thing, because I think this is important. You can't hold the president, the Trump, President Trump's lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, Greg Jarrett, all these smart people saying, you president can't obstruct justice. He's the chief law enforcement officer. So dumb. We live in a really stupid, stupid country at times. We do dumb things. But this is now threatening our Constitution. All right, as we roll along. Oh, you're going to love this, by the way. I, I want to know so much more about what other people think. What does Weissman think of Trump? What does uh, Adam Schiff really think of Trump? By the way, Robert Mueller is a frontrunner for Person of the Year by Time Magazine. I'll tell you how Dershowitz dismantled this obstruction of justice claim by uh, Diane Feinstein and much more. Straight ahead, it's all politics, all of it. 
And I think what we're beginning to see is the putting together of a case of obstruction of justice. I think we see this in the indictments, Mm -hmm. the four indictments and pleas uh, that have just taken place in some of the comments that are being made. Uh, I see it in the hyperphonetic attitude of the White House, the comments every day, the continual tweets. um, And I I see it most importantly in what happened uh, with the firing of uh, Director Comey. And it is my belief that that is directly because he did not agree uh, to lift the cloud of the Russia investigation. That's obstruction of justice. Donald Trump is a very formidable personality, but somebody has to stand up to him. And I hope my Republican colleagues in the United States Senate will take the lead on this issue and also on obstruction of justice. There is a credible case of obstruction of justice against Donald Trump. The Argue it for us. What is it? Well, if you take the president's own statement, his tweet, that he knew Michael Flynn was lying to the FBI when he fired him, which means that he knew Michael Flynn had committed a felony when he asked Comey to stop the investigation of him, and when he fired Comey, when he refused to do so, and when he fired Sally Yates, and when he called Michael Flynn in April to tell him to stay strong. All of these acts are to impede and obstruct justice. And then when you take the corrupt intent, which is the second element, just his tweet yesterday, his attack on the FBI. I will say this, uh, Hillary Clinton lied many times to the FBI, nothing happened to her. Flynn lied and they destroyed his life. I think it's a shame. Hillary Clinton on the 4th of July weekend went to the FBI not under oath. It was the most incredible thing anyone's ever seen. She lied many times. Nothing happened to her. Flynn lied, and it's like they ruined his life. It's very unfair. All right, glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of the program, hour two of the program. All right, so you hear from Dianne Feinstein, and uh, you hear from uh, Richard Blumenthal, and then you hear from the president. It's almost like we live in a twilight zone era if we're talking about obstruction, because the same people that sat back and allowed Hillary Clinton to delete, acid wash, bleach bit, you know, 33,000 emails about a wedding, a funeral, yoga, and her husband who does an email, and then, of course, destroy the Blackberries and, of course, destroy the hard drives, um, and now talking about obstruction of justice like it actually means something. There's a little bit of a problem, as Alan Dershowitz and Donald Trump's lawyer, for example, both said the president cannot obstruct justice, and that's because he is the chief law enforcement officer of the of the nation and under the Constitution's Article 2 clause, he has every right to express his view on any case, period, end of sentence. Now, this all came in relation to a tweet that he had put out over the weekend uh, and the president saying, well, I had to fire General Flynn because he lied to the vice president and the FBI um, and probably inarticulately written in some regards. So I think there's a point by some people to be made here. But then you have People like Alan Dershowitz saying the exact same thing, is that the president cannot obstruct justice. Here with us now, we have Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, former Secret Service agent, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Let's start on the legal side. Can a president obstruct justice? 
Well, it's always been debatable, but I would side with Dershowitz uh, because there are two claims of obstruction here toward the president that the politicians seem to be making. One is that firing uh, Comey obstructs justice. No, it doesn't. He has every right under the Constitution to fire anybody in the executive branch. Even Comey admits it. The second is trying to persuade Comey uh, to clear Flynn, look at what the president is allegedly uh, to have said, and that is, I ho- you know, I hope and wish, you know, that uh, Flynn can be cleared. Hoping and wishing is not a corrupt act that is required in obstruction of justice. It has to be a lie, threat, or a bribe, or destruction of evidence. None of that is alleged by anyone, including Comey. So, there's no obstruction. Dan Bongino, you, you've been around this game a long time, and you watch this this feeding frenzy that now exists towards the president. I want to get your general thoughts on it because there's so much to get into. I mean, now the Democrats are taking what happened with General Flynn here, and I'm going to get into the specifics of that uh, as, as some type of uh, admission that everything that they were supposed to be investigating is, in fact, right. When I think just the opposite it can be interpreted from it is if if that's all you got is that you had an what may be illegal and unethical unmasking and surveillance and raw intelligence leaking and somehow setting a perjury trap for Michael Flynn represents, you know, the big smoking gun. I don't think it's going very far. No, and Sean, one of the big problems with this case, given my experience as a federal agent, is if you're going to charge someone with, I think it's 371, Title 18 of the United States Code of Conspiracy, at some point, show me the money. You know, wh- wh- where's the beef? Where's the conspiracy? You know, I got into a debate on Saturday night with uh, Chris Hahn, who I know is on your show, a liberal. And he said, this is the tip of the iceberg. And I said, OK, well, where's the iceberg? Is someone at any point in this case, Sean, actually going to plead to a conspiracy? Remember, we were all told this was the biggest conspiracy to alter the outcome of the United States election we've seen in modern times. And yet nobody's produced a scintilla of evidence that's, that's actually true. What do we have so far, right? We've got two fibbers. You got you got a federal charge of fibbing. I mean, that's essentially what you have. Which, all right, we granted one thousand one is a serious crime. Don't lie to the FBI. And then we have a case against Manafort about business dealings but before way, he was even with know, Trump. Let me go to the whole issue of lying to the FBI. Now, I happen to be, as you know, a huge supporter of law enforcement. But that doesn't mean that what we've been talking about at length here, weaponizing the intelligence community or politicizing the Justice Department or the FBI didn't happen either. I mean, I set out a a series of questions last night on Twitter for James Comey. I'd like to know why he was drawing up his exoneration of Hillary Clinton before he even uh, interviewed the, the key people involved in the case, some 17 of them, including Hillary Clinton himself. Why did he remove the words gross negligence? You know, did he rely on the dossier, the Steele dossier? Did he want to hire Christopher Steele? How much was he willing to pay him? Um, Did did they rely on that to get surveillance warrants on Trump, either the campaign or the president-elect? An argument can be made that Comey himself obstructed the Hillary Clinton investigation if he decided for political purposes that he was going to clear her, notwithstanding the evidence. That's interference in the due administration of justice, which is obstruction of justice by Comey. And he's got a lot to answer for. Remember, he stole government documents, presidential memos, took them home, conveyed them to an unauthorized person. Uh, That's a violation of the code section 641. Very clear. 
he should be prosecuted for that. And I think you're going to find in the end, Sean Michael Horowitz, the inspector general, the Department of Justice. Yeah, when are we getting this report? Early this next year. So you may be talking about a month, maybe two months. I think you're going to find that Horowitz will determine that Comey engaged in all manner of impropriety that may result in criminal prosecution against Comey. Let me play Alan Dershowitz on this whole issue, how Trump can't be charged with obstruction. And he's been pretty amazing. Not somebody that I would often quote in terms of politics, although we do agree on a lot of things. We do agree on on Israel, some national security issues. And also we agree that this special counsel that they have taken on powers and a purpose that they were never designed to do, and it happens all the time. Here's what he said. Professor, is she right? Do you see a case for obstruction building? No, I don't, and I think if Congress ever were to charge him with obstruction of justice for exercising his constitutional authority under Article 2, we'd have a constitutional crisis. You cannot charge a president with obstruction of justice for exercising his constitutional power to fire Comey and his constitutional authority to tell the Justice Department who to investigate, who not to investigate. That's what Thomas Jefferson did. That's what Lincoln did. That's what Roosevelt did. We have precedents that clearly establish that when George Bush, the first pardoned Casper Weinberger in order to end the investigation that would have led to him. Nobody suggested obstruction of justice. For obstruction of justice by the president, you need clearly illegal acts. With Nixon, hush money paid, telling people to lie, destroying evidence. Even with Clinton, they said that he tried to influence potential witnesses not to tell the truth. But there's never been a case in history where a president has been charged with obstruction of justice for merely exercising his constitutional authority. That would cause a constitutional crisis in the United States. And I hope Mueller doesn't do that. And Senator Feinstein simply doesn't know what she's talking about when she says it's obstruction of justice to do what a president is completely authorized to do under the Constitution. Which, by the way, includes firing Comey, which he which even Comey recognized he had a a right to do. Yeah. uh, Sean, this is not an independent agency, the FBI or the Department of Justice, outside of Article one, Article two and Article three of the Constitution. It falls under the executive branch. Now, there are two problems here. Dershowitz highlights one of them. He's absolutely correct. I heard Greg mention it before as well. It is absolutely within his authority to fire the FBI director. That's not disputed. But the second problem I think they have here as well is how can you obstruct justice if pretty much everyone with who is acknowledged with any significant role in the case that it, it did nothing to impede the actual. Sean, there's a Russian investigation going on right now. How did they actually obstruct justice if justice is still ongoing without a viable threat to do something? Well, I will say that and I reread it this morning, the obstruction uh, statute, it doesn't require that you succeed. Uh, simply that you tried to do it. But your point, Dan, is an excellent one. Listen to what Dershowitz was saying. He said in the Nixon case involving obstruction, there was a lie, threat, or a bribe. In that particular case, it was hush money. That was a bribe. That's obstruction of justice. In this particular case with President Trump, there's no lie, threat, or a bribe, or destruction, or altering of documents, uh, destruction of evidence. There's none of that there. He's simply exercising his right as chief executive under the Constitution to fire somebody in the executive branch. All right, we're going to get back uh, and we'll continue. Greg Jarrett, Dan Bongino with us. I want to talk about politicizing the Justice Department and weaponizing of intelligence, which I think has led to a lot of where we are today. 
right, as we continue, Dan Bongino is with us as well as Greg Jarrett. All right, here's the here's the big question because um you look at the actions of Comey, you look at the relationship Rosenstein, Comey, Mueller, and and McCabe and and all these guys. Weissman. Um and Andrew Weissman, you know, nine oh Supreme Court decision against him for his tactics. His abuse of power. And now everyone's saying, and Comey took particular offense at the president's talking about, is it, it, are we now in an environment where people at the top of our Justice Department, in the FBI even, as much as I love the 99.9% of law enforcement that are great, are they politicizing crimes and are they weaponizing intelligence then? You know, Sean, here's what bothers me about this. I was a Secret Service agent in my early 20s, and I was in awe of the power they give you. I mean, you can literally take someone's freedom or, God forbid, if you need to, take a life in a use of force scenario, all sanctioned by the power of the United States government. One of the things we're guaranteed, though, in the Constitutional Republic is we don't target people. We target crimes. And what's worrying me about this is it seems to me that the Justice Department is, again, I agree with you a thousand percent, not the rank and file FBI. They are the best. I've worked with them, love the men and women there. They're terrific. Some political actor in the Justice Department decided in conjunction with Democrats in Congress after they lost this election that they were going to get Donald Trump and they were going to get his associates no matter what. And let me tell you something, Sean, that's a dangerous environment because everybody's ripped the mattress tag off. And I promise everyone's paid a penny less in taxes than they should have somewhere. Everyone's a federal criminal. When you target people, you're going to find them. I think, and that's the where, of course, the cliche. You know, you can indict a ham sandwich. Um, we know that our intelligence has been abused, Greg. We we don't have any information. You know, the reason we keep comparing this to Clinton is because there was real obstruction in that case. There were subpoenaed emails. There were crimes committed. And James Comey has a lot of explaining to do. Why was he writing an exoneration before the investigation was even close to being completed? Why did he take out the important legal words, gross negligence? Uh, You know, what's his relationship to Christopher Steele and why did he want to? You know, I mean, there's so much here. And guess who else was involved in crafting that uh, memo exonerating Hillary Clinton months before she was interviewed? The FBI Deputy Director of Intelligence, Peter Strzok. What did we now? Why is that name familiar? Because we just learned over the weekend that Strzok was fired from his job working for Mueller in the Trump case because he was sending out emails to his mistress that were clearly anti-Trump. He had a bias. And guess what? Strzok was involved in the interview of Hillary Clinton. Why are you stepping on my important show? Because we have an exclusive article on all of this by Sarah Carter, who's going to join us next. Yeah, but he was up to his eyeballs. I'll tell you why. Because... I bet Andrew Weissman was writing similar emails that are pro-Hillary and anti-Trump. And I'll tell you why I know that. Because Weissman's best buddy is a woman at the Department of Justice, she's since left, Wei Chen, who is virulently anti-Trump, who's out there in her yellow or uh, orange protest jacket in front of the White House. She posted this on Twitter and LinkedIn protesting against Donald Trump. She's buddies with Weissman. Somebody needs to do a FOIA request to get a hold of Weissman's emails, and I bet you you'll find anti-Trump emails. Oh, I bet they exist now. 
That's why you're such a smart guy. Guys, I love having you in the studio. Uh, what are you, nice, right? What are you doing in town? Uh, uh, Fox, you know. You, oh. you, you, you ever go over there? Uh, <laughs> I'll be out with you tonight. Apparently not a whole lot. Both of you will be on tonight, and we'll see you then. Thank you both. <laughs> he has promised full cooperation to the Mueller team. He's prepared to testify, we are told by a confidant, against President Trump, against members of the Trump family, and others in the White House. He is prepared to testify that President Trump, as a candidate, Donald Trump, ordered him, directed him to make contact with the Russians, which contradicts all that Donald Trump has said at this point. Clarification tonight on something one of Flynn's confidants told us, and we reported earlier today. He said the president had asked Flynn to contact Russia during the campaign. He's now clarifying that, saying, according to Flynn, candidate Trump asked him during the campaign to find ways to repair relations with Russia and other hotspots. And then after the election, the president-elect asked him to told him to contact Russia on issues, including working together to fight ISIS. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free uh, telephone number if you want to be a part of the program. 24 now till the uh, top of the hour. It was the phony report by Brian Ross that Michael Flynn will testify candidate Trump told him to contact the Russians. Oopsie-daisy. Turns out that was wrong. I'd like to know where he got that false information from, and maybe he should expose it. And why he has his job today is, I guess, a question that ABC News executives can answer. And uh, then uh, issuing the clarification, now he has been suspended about this. Then you heard Leon Panetta saying it's a stretch to say that the Trump team broke the law with Russian contacts. Now, there is this guy, Peter Stroke, I want to talk about. Now, Mueller uh, had fired this guy for anti-Trump text uh, between some woman he was dating or having a relationship with. And uh, now the office of uh, inspector general, we expect that report to come out sometime in January or February, the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, this guy was up to his eyeballs in every investigation, you know, former deputy director for counterintelligence at the FBI removed from the staff of Robert Mueller, who's been saying that people like Andrew Weissman and others have atrocious records. And yet they've been put in this position, records of abusing power, records of failure, 9-0 decisions, Supreme Court going against them, you know, putting innocent people in jail in the case of Merrill Lynch or uh, Arthur Accounting Company or Enron in that particular case as it relates to Weissman. Well, then you have a source close to the uh, matter that the OIG probe examining Stroke's role in a number of these politically sensitive cases. It turns out that this guy was involved in the Hillary Clinton email case. And then it turns out he's involved in the Trump-Russia collusion case. Well, you know, in the case of Hillary, that he he got a pass. Well, now just about an hour and a half or so ago, a new story is broken. We put it up on Hannity.com by Sarah Carter. And the headline is the FBI supervisor removed from special counsel, meaning this guy Stroke actually interviewed Michael Flynn. And uh, Sarah Carter joins us now. Um, this gets very complicated. Let's let's do the lead up to this and let's talk about this guy's role in Hillary, which we know ended in an exoneration before they even investigated. And then, of course, now he's up to his eyeballs. He's a Trump hater. And yet he's appointed to every position to help Hillary and every position to hurt Trump. Oh, yeah, Sean. I mean, I think this is enormous concern. Uh, There is concern. Remember, even I reported on your show months back. I mean, I think as far back as March, that within the FBI, there were a number of FBI agents that were kind of mortified about what was happening. And uh, they felt that, uh, you know, that there were people, specifically people in primary positions within the FBI, including acting Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, who were, you know, openly, 
openly against um, Trump, as I reported through other people, uh, sources within the FBI. And now we see Peter Stroke. He was a deputy head of counterintelligence at the FBI. He was a key player involved in all of the investigation into Clinton's use of a private email server. Um, he was also very well connected with the salacious and unfounded uh, Trump dossier and investigated that as well. And now, according to sources that I've spoken with, Stroke was also uh, the FBI agent that interviewed Michael Flynn, uh, and that was in January 24th. He was one of two agents. The other agent, which um, I do not know who that is, but is apparently a field supervisor in the Russia squad um, at the FBI's Washington field office. And this is very important because if he's interviewing Flynn uh, and he has this animosity, this open animosity towards uh, President Trump, that becomes very concerning, and according to the sources I've spoken with, puts everything into question. Well, it puts into question how this is going to hold up. I mean, if I was Michael Flynn's lawyer and I'd find this out now, I think I'd be pulling back immediately on this on this deal that they made and saying, well, he was forced into it. Now, we got to also remember here, you know, what role did the unmasking, the surveillance, let me backtrack. Was the surveillance FISA warrant based on the phony, salacious Hillary Clinton DNC bought and paid for dossier? Was that used to get a FISA warrant against either candidate Trump and or President-elect Trump? And was General Flynn illegally unmasked in this without minimization and raw intelligence leak to begin with, which would have set a perjury trap based on illegally obtained information? Well, yes. I mean, those are those are vitally important questions. We know right now that Chairman Nunez with the House Intelligence Committee is seeking answers to that. I did speak with a source that's very familiar with the chairman's request and said that the chairman now has answers to all of that. They said the chairman knows whether the FBI paid for the dossier, and this is coming from my source, whether the dossier launched the investigation, whether the dossier was used as a basis for the FISA applications, and what steps the FBI took to verify the dossier upon receipt. And in addition... Well, can we... Can we can, I'm going to slow you down one second. Can we Now, did the FBI... I, there were reports that... Comey wanted to pay Christopher Steele, no confirmation that he ever did. Correct. There was no there was no confirmation on my part, based on the sources that I've spoken to, whether or not Comey paid or paid any money for that dossier. I think one of the bigger questions we need to ask is, did they use the dossier to obtain these FISA warrants? And did they verify anything in that dossier, the dossier in itself in its entirety, before obtaining these FISA warrants? And how did they do that? Was there some secondary verification? And did that secondary, and listen to this carefully, did that secondary verification, wherever it came from, have nothing to do with the dossier? Because if it did have something to do with the dossier, then that is a big problem. Okay, it does, because that would mean that the phony political Russian propaganda dossier could have been used as the means of getting a FISA warrant. And I would tell you off the top of my head that any good lawyer would likely say that anything obtained as a result of that would be inadmissible in any court, correct? Correct. I I believe so. I'm not an attorney, but I believe so. And that's what I've heard from uh, attorneys as well. Have you heard specifically that they did use the dossier to get the warrant? I have heard from sources that the dossier was used. 
but I cannot confirm that because I did not see actual proof of that. And that's what it would require for me to write that story. But it's still a very important question. I think one that is already being answered, Sean, one that is already being answered. The Department of Justice apparently has already given some of those answers already to the House Intelligence Committee. Now, whether or not that is the case, the sources that I've spoken to appear to be in the right position to answer that. And so, how many sources? Because I have a, I have public. a single source that has confirmed for me that it was. That's not enough for me correct. yet. That's why I'm. And you have a single yeah. source. Yeah, correct. Okay, now let's go back to. So this guy's involved in the Clinton email server scandal. We know Comey. The fix was in from the get-go. We know Comey also went along with the idea it's, an, it's not an investigation, it's a matter. We know that the, the evolution of that exoneration before the investigation was completed involved removing the, the legal terminology, gross negligence, from all of this. He's involved in all of that. He's, he's virulently anti-Trump. And then he's involved in interviewing Michael Flynn, General Flynn, along with one other individual. And he's involved in, in the dossier issue as well. Is there anything he's not involved in? And doesn't that taint everything that he's involved in? And I'm also hearing that there might be other people very high up, close to Mueller, that similarly have hate Trump issues. Uh, yes, and, and everything you're saying there is correct. It appears to be that he was involved in all of it. And one of the one of the points that you didn't make, you made a, a whole series of points that are so important there, but that there were 110 classified emails transmitted on that server. Of those 110, there were 52 email chains, eight of which contained the most highly classified information. So you don't need, you don't need to say, you know, careless, gross negligence doesn't mean whether or not she decided it was going to affect the national security of the United States. Gross negligence under the law uh, is basically the law. And anybody else, and I think this was very important, and Catherine Herridge brought it up in her interview with the former Inspector General McCullough of the intelligence community, when he was investigating this, she had asked him if he would have done that, you know, what would have been the repercussions? And he said he would have been in Leavenworth. Unbelievable. So we have to think about, yeah, we have to think about how vast this is. And of course, I'm certain that there is an ongoing, and we know the Inspector General now at the Department of Justice is investigating everything that's connected to Peter Stroke, everything that is connected to the Hillary Clinton email investigation, and I'm, I'm positive that they will be forthcoming with a report that's... I, I, I would just extensive. like to know what the Attorney General is doing in all of this, because nobody seems to know. All right, stay right there. We'll, well, we'll pick it up on the Attorney General when we get back. More with Sarah Carter, her explosive report. You can get it on Hannity.com right now. And in fact, the FBI supervisor that was removed from the special counsel not only interviewed Michael Flynn, but he was involved in this whole issue, what I believe is a cover-up and an exoneration before an investigation of Hillary Clinton and the email server scandal, and including the dossier issue. Uh, now we find out he's the one, even though he's anti-Trump, interviewing Michael Flynn. This is an unbelievable, stunning transformation. All right, investigative reporter Sarah Carter is with us. Her blockbuster report out today. This on the heels of uh, understanding that 
Robert Mueller had to remove this guy, Peter Stroke, who was one of the two FBI agents, Sarah breaking exclusively. It's up on Hannity.com, who interviewed General Flynn. But this was the same guy that was involved in the exoneration before investigation of Hillary Clinton's email server and the dossier that, of course, Comey was so interested in that he was thinking about paying money to, according to published reports. Now he interviewed uh, General Flynn. Um, I guess the next question here is what about some of this other team that was appointed by Robert Mueller? We've gone over their their political donations extensively and they lean solidly left. We look at Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman, to me, is the the poster child for abusing power in investigations. And, you know, it's not often that somebody gets overturned. I know at the Supreme Court level on a appeal and gets and his tactics have been brought into question and his ethics have been brought into question. How is Andrew Weissman still on this case? And I hear that uh, he's got pretty strong political opinions as well. Well, yeah, certainly Andrew Weissman does have pretty strong political opinions, according to sources that I've spoken with. And, you know, a lot of them say you can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. So uh, that that also is is out there. Um, I think, Sean, one of the most important things that we're looking at as far as this case is developing and as far as the special counsel investigation, I think this is a point that needs to be made over and over again. This was to find collusion between the administration and Russia. And what it has is become so expansive, it feels that everything but that is is being dredged up. And, and that's something that's very important. We're not seeing any evidence. We have not seen any evidence yet of actual collusion between the Trump administration and and the Russians. And that's a very important point. Another point, I want to go back to Peter Strokes, because I think this is so important. You know, I spoke to a former U.S. intelligence official who said to me, and, and I'll quote this, you know, with the recent revelation that Stroke was removed from the special counsel investigation for making anti-Trump text messages, it seems likely that the accuracy and veracity of the 302, that was the interview, a Flynn's interview, as a whole should be reviewed viewed and called into question. So these are really important. I mean, it's important to the people who are working these cases. Remember, there were a lot of FBI agents on the ground during this time that were investigating uh, the Clinton server uh, case at the time before Comey shut down the investigation, and they were infuriated when he did. So Thankfully, this is not about the entire Bureau. There are a lot of good people in the Bureau, people who put their lives on the line every day, people who believe I in said that yesterday. I don't know if you saw my investigators. I, I don't know if you saw my tweets about Comey last night. I mean, I agree. But the problem is, you know, if they didn't interview the informant, for example, what you reported last week before they filed charges in the Russian nuclear bribery case, that's a bad deal. And, of course, you have Devin Nunes. I mean, you know, he's now saying that, you know, charging... that he's being stonewalled by the Justice Department and the FBI on these issues. How do we ever get to the truth? We just keep pushing. We just get getting. We just keep putting pieces and pieces of information out there because one thing is certain: the American public is not stupid, and the American public will not stand for this. And it's got to be a great disappointment when we put so much faith in the FBI, which we need to. I mean, the bureaucracy and the the bureau itself is supposed to be completely impartial. At Quantico, when FBI agents go there, I mean, I've talked to so many of them. The first thing they say is, "You're neither Republican nor Democrat." Well, that's the fact. Well, we now have the weaponization of intelligence, and we now have the politicization of the Justice Department that we now have to look into with all seriousness. Uh, Sarah, we'll see you on TV tonight. Thank you for uh, being with us. We appreciate it. 
Uh, so much more to get to regarding this. Corey Lewandowski, by the way, joins us at the top of the hour. He wrote the uh, soon-to-be best-selling book, Let Trump Be Trump, The Inside Story of His Presidency. That's next. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. At real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. So basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. This is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. So right now, we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80% favorite. We have different versions of forecasts you can look at. Paul has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally. 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. Clinton leading in Florida. Clinton leading in North Carolina. Clinton leading in Ohio. Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. But come on, come on, buddy. We have a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's the projection. Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, while we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, both. North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas with its six electoral votes, Nebraska with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. All right, news roundup information overload our Sean Hannity show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I hear that that montage, which is one of my favorites of all time that we ever have put together. And all these people are so dead wrong, all of them. And uh, two people that know up close and personal everything that went on in that campaign, and both have become friends of mine in all fairness and objectivity here. We have, uh, well, I knew Dave Bossy before. Corey Lewandowski, though, I spent a lot of time with you and Hope. I remember when it was you and Hope Hicks on the campaign trail, and that was it. I mean, it's really the two of you and uh, Dave Bossy. They've now written a brand new book, Let Trump Be Trump, the inside story of his rise to the uh, presidency. Uh, welcome, both of you. Hey, thanks, thanks Sean. Us. How wrong were they? They were so wrong. Sean, they were wrong from day one. From I remember the day that the president came down, that big, beautiful escalator with Melania Trump, and they said, he's going to announce that he won't be running for president today, and he'll never fill out the paperwork, and he'll never be a real candidate, and that Jeb Bush was just rusty from not running for office for eight years. Well, look, Donald Trump hadn't run for office in 70 years, and he took the world by storm. And Dave and I, and we talk about in the book, uh, outlined what we saw and what he did. And to this day... 
you know this, the mainstream media will never give him the credit that he deserves. The Dow's up again today. 66 new highs since he's been in office. $5 trillion. No one wants to give him any credit for what he's done. I say it's up to six now, Corey. You're talking about <laughs> since Election Day last year. Um, I have my own recollections, and, and, and we had a lot of passing in the night and a lot of phone calls uh, between the two of you. Um, and it was such a f- – this, this was history in the making. And I remember every once in a while we'd go to those moments. i say, you know, this is historic. Very early on, I said to Hope, I said, you know, you might want to pick out where your office is going to be now. Little did I know she'd have the best office right outside the Oval <laughs> Office at the time. Uh, Dave Bossy, you came in at what point? I came in uh, when Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway came in after uh, the Paul Manafort firing. Right. Uh, actually, Paul was uh, Paul was there when Steve and Kellyanne came in to to take over the campaign, and he was going to be kind of set aside. And then they ended up firing him. I came in a, about a week later. Uh, I was really Steve Bannon's first phone call to say, "Come in uh, to help me and Kellyanne run the day to day of this campaign." Yeah. By the way, one of the truest things you guys write about is the food on the plane. <laughs> I, I never, you know, when I went, he goes, "Oh, you got to see my plane one day." So a bunch of Hannity people, you know, and I got this little plane that I that I rented for the tr- whatever interview I was doing with him, and we get on, and and here's his massive seven, what fifty seven or whatever that thing is. And he's got buckets and buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, it was either, did he really eat two Big Macs, two filet of fish, well, and a malted well, shake or whatever? Sean, look, uh, we, we traveled on a $100 million aircraft everywhere we went, and we were stopping at which McDonald's on the way. And, and look, the truth is, he wouldn't eat the bread, okay? So let's just be fair to the, to the candidate. Okay. And he'd, he'd always say to us, and it was very comical, he'd say, did I have a good day? I said, yes, sir. He said, can I have a malted? I said, absolutely. He says, don't tell Melania. I said, never, sir. <laughs> is that <laughs> but true? That's what, that's, those are true stories because he's, he, that's the kind of guy he is. He's just a, yeah. a blue-collar billionaire. He eats at McDonald's. He eats Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's, My favorite he's, food. He's what everybody does. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. And pizza and Wendy's. That's, That's exactly it. right. That's the food Some... groups that were on the plane. Yeah. Uh, burgers, pizza, and fried chicken. You know what pissed me off? I was on, I was in one of his offices one time. I'm like, can I have a beer? And it was like an act of God to get a beer on that plane. I'm like, what's going on with you guys? It, it, <laughs> it, was, a dry, it, was, it was a dry campaign. It was, yeah. not, it was not all that much fun. All right. It, let's, yeah. So uh, we just played the media thinking this is the impossible. And you guys got to pull off the impossible. You know, I, and I remember, uh, Corey, I remember we had so many conversations. Honestly, we talked a lot. I don't think your job from day one was easy. Um, he's a demanding boss. You you don't hide that in in this book. You guys are very upfront about it. But I also think what makes people demanding makes them great and and makes them insist that everybody be on their game. You tell a story in the book about how you once fell asleep or he saw you asleep on the plane. What happened? You know, Sean, this is what we want to articulate in this book, Let Trump Be Trump. He expects the best. He demands the best, but he deserves the best. And what he did with me and so many other people is he pushed me harder than I ever thought I could be pushed. And literally, as we were flying around one day in Wisconsin, uh, I'd been on you know no sleep for the better part of a year, drinking seven, eight, nine monsters or Red Bulls a day. And uh, I fell asleep on the plane because I had probably walking pneumonia. And he looked back. And he said to me, Corey, if you can't take it, we'll get somebody else. And I had put it, you know, 18 months of my life into this thing. This is a guy who doesn't sleep, you know, but maybe three or four hours every other day. And I said, sir, I'm not feeling well. And he says, well, you know, you can get off here. And we were, you know, about 40,000 feet up in the air, basically. (laughs) But he expects and demands the best. And that's why... 
you know, I want to say it was such a privilege to work for him. And the staff that is there is so dedicated to making sure that he has the very best. And when we fell short and I fell short, look, he won 38 primaries and caucuses, got more votes than any candidate in the history of the Republican Party in a primary in a season. And we failed, though. We didn't win 50. He wanted to win all 50 primaries and caucuses. And I said, sir, you know, I'm doing the best. But sometimes he just pushes you more than you ever thought you could be pushed. You know, and I think in the end, uh, you know, I talk about the speed of Trump on my radio and TV show. I mean, OK, we got Gorsuch out of the Senate this year and we got the tax bill out of the Senate last week. That's about it. And, you know, but in terms of regulations and in terms of the president being able to do and accomplishing the promises he made, those that he can do by himself. You know, one night I did a whole list of them, and I'm going, ding, 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 ding. Do you ever? I don't know if you saw that show. It went pretty viral, but um, that's why I think he won. He connected. This is what the, the, pres- the reason he is a president. He made promises to the American people. He said, broken Washington, the broken status quo is over, and I'm going to go there and change them. They are not going to change me, and that is why the mainstream media continues to attack him, continues to beat him down. They don't even talk about the 3% growth. <laughs> he, that he, through this 3.3, you're a little behind. It got revised <laughs> upwards, bossy. Keep up. Uh, it, it, which is oh. so exciting. For our, which is what the new normal was, right, Sean? The new normal under Obama for eight years was 1.2, 1.6, stagnation, back to the Jimmy Carter days. Hey, listen, I made a point every single day during that election year of 2016. 50 million Americans on food stamps, 50 million in poverty, 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, the worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. We had the lowest labor participation rate since the 30s, and he doubled the national debt. I said it because it mattered. I said it because I am that guy. I am the blue-collar worker. By the way, so are both of you. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things... So I got I got interviewed by the this New York Times guy. It was a great picture if you missed it. I mean, I think I looked my oh, roof my it. best. New York Times magazine, the cover. I was on that cover not too long ago, so I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, but they didn't yeah, by the way, your picture was fine in comparison. Um so it's and and Pete, the guy was trying to get to, to this constantly, oh, who influences Trump? And I'm like, you don't understand. Anybody that tells you that they do or that they have his ear or they're influencing him or they're trying I said you don't understand him because all of us and everybody I know at some point said, don't tweet. I gave this guy the example. At the end of the day, he makes his own mind up and he follows his own guts. Isn't that Trumpy and Trump? Sean, it's, it's exactly what this book's about. Look, when I, when I came to the campaign and I saw the success that this man has had in his entire life, real estate, books, television, and then he decided I'm going to get involved in politics. All of my friends, and I use that term loosely in Washington, said, you'll never work in politics again. I said, fantastic. I hate this business. And (laughs) then, you know what I said? It's not my job as a campaign manager to change Donald Trump, a man who's built a a billion-dollar lifestyle, you know, one of the most successful people in the history of our country. We let Trump be Trump. Now, do I love every tweet he puts out? Of course not. But that's him, and I don't want to change him. He's authentic. He's genuine. This is the thing. Every single person in Washington, every swamp creature republican and democrat and both parties suck i'm more angry at republicans than i am at at democrats because they promised crap that they never had any intention of ever fulfilling and i feel betrayed but if you look at the expectation dave they think at some point if they criticize him enough 
He's going to evolve into something he's not, and that is that establishment mentality and what they think and how they think a president ought to act. It's never happening, ever. 100%, and that is what makes – that's what drives the president. That's what makes him different. And Corey, you know, in the book, Corey talks about the Paul Manafort uh, time, and I'll let Corey tell the story, but when Paul decided he was going to try to change the president, now, all right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossy with us. Their brand new book just out today, their first radio interview, Let Trump Be Trump, the inside story of his rise to the uh, presidency. It's a phenomenal read. I will right, we'll take a break. We'll have more with Corey, more with Dave Bossy. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. All right, as we continue, Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossy, their brand new book out today, Let Trump Be Trump, the inside story of his rise to the uh, presidency. It's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Um, let me ask about, let me go back to something I was asking Dave Bossy in the last segment, and that is there is an expectation, particularly among Republicans, that one day Donald Trump is going to wake up and the, a switch is going to go off in his head, and he is going to act the way they think a president ought to act. And it's not happening. Sean, you have to remember, all they ever said was, you have to act presidential. The only way to win is if you act presidential. I don't even know what that means. You know what? I know Donald Trump is a president, so if he sneezes, it's a presidential sneeze. Whatever he does now is presidential. He's not here to meet the expectations of the mainstream media. What he did, what he saw, and what I think the American people want is someone who's authentic. They are so sick and tired of these politicians who go to Washington for 30 years and lie to them. And I can be presidential, then we find out you know, they were a pedophile or they're having sex with their staffer or whatever it was, right? What we know is Donald Trump tells you the truth. You may not like the way he says it. You may not like what he tells you, but he tells you the truth. Take us back. You guys write a lot about Access Hollywood. Take us back to that day because there was some that said he had to get out. There was a lot. There were a lot of people, Sean, and you know it. Uh, the establishment went apoplectic, right, Sean? They, they decided for him that we will cut you loose uh, and, and you and have to Mike get out Pence of Mike Pence in the top of the ticket. Absolutely. As if it was that simple, first of all. No, it wasn't. And, no. And, and, and look, this, this, this man said it was locker room talk. It was years and years and years ago. Unlike what, you know, what Matt Lauer and those guys are doing, his was talk. There's his act. By the way, they've gone after him. I remember when the New York Times did a, a front page, top fold article listing woman after woman. I, I started saying, okay, I started putting them all on. Ex-girlfriends came on. They praised him. Uh, Carrie Prejean comes on, praised him. And I put all these women on. I'm like, they're full of crap. This is the hypocrisy of the liberal left who want to accuse somebody and cause damnation before they have the facts. And what the bottom line was, Donald Trump was very clear about this. Okay, yeah, I said some things that maybe you wouldn't normally say as a candidate. Number one, he wasn't a candidate at the time. Number Not two, a politician. He wasn't a politician. He was a private sector individual. And the American people had the chance to litigate this because it was 30 days before. And they looked at Crooked Hillary. And they looked at Donald Trump. They looked at a person who had given away our uranium. They looked at a person who's enriched themselves while in office and her family's been in office. And they looked at Donald Trump, who has all the money in the world and didn't need to put his family or his, his, his career through this. And they chose Donald Trump because they were so sick of the Clinton cabal, the machine that they have had for so long. The American people said, we don't care about what he said 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, we care about leadership. And you look at the way that this country is now respected around the world. You look at what happens when Donald Trump goes overseas as the president of these United States of America. They are treated with respect. And that is from all our friends and our enemies because, look, this is not a person who draws a line in the sand and you walk over and nothing happens. 
I got to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll have more with uh, Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy. When we come back, I want to ask you about election night. I, w- I want to go back to the Access Hollywood moment. Um, I also want to talk about the, the attacks that this president has been under ever since November 8th of last year. And uh, we'll get to a lot more. 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. It's on Amazon.com. It's in bookstores everywhere. Hannity.com. Let Trump be Trump, the inside story of his rise to the presidency. is broadcasting now on over 500 radio stations around the world. And now, here's Sean. People have talked about a miracle. Uh, I'm hearing about a nightmare. This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. Uh, This network devoted years of programming and promotional support to a reality show that was mold-breaking for the time and contributed largely to making this uh, New York developer, uh, uh, builder, licensor, landlord, investor, um, successful guy into a global celebrity and brand. A brand who sells brand name licensed products with his name on it. I think some of this cultural anger we should correctly identify as being racial animus and that it's significant that Trump is that Trump has closed so much of a gap and done so well with white voters. The extent to which Donald Trump is one running a campaign of racism and bigotry, turning out millions of white Americans for that campaign suggests that we are living through a kind of second redemption. Our country is about to face some serious crises. And so I mean buckle up, your country needs you. Well, America is crying tonight. I'm not sure how much of America, but a very, very significant portion, and I mean literally crying. Yes. This is a sadness. It is a, a mourning moment for, for those people, uh, and it is, a, it is a moment filled with fear, fear, filled with fear. Tim Kaine has a son in the Marine Corps. He was asked by John Dickerson, so if Donald Trump is democratically elected and your son is serving as a Marine, you wouldn't trust his life under that commander-in-chief? And Kaine said, I wouldn't. That's a pretty extraordinary thing to say uh, if you have a son in the Marine Corps and that you don't trust the commander in chief. The people in the military defend the Constitution. And we've talked about excitement among women to have a woman president, but uh, there's, there's always in these situations at least equal amounts of hostility to that kind of change. And the fact that, we've, you know, that we're seeing this, uh, particularly among non-college educated white men, is not surprising. And I think some of it has to be attributed to the fact that, that Trump is running against a woman. Do the brains that got this guy elected president tonight apply to being a good president? I leave it as an open question. I hope there's some connection. But otherwise, we have a dingbat as president. We have a guy <laughs> with no ability to be president. It's hopeless with terrible values and incompetence galore. And we're just into doomsday right now. I'm just not ready to accept that, uh, that sort of notion right now in my head. I have to think there's got 
got to be a pony in this crap pile. <laughs> I think, uh, there has to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> he did all of the dog whistles. This is not Bernie Sanders populism. This is George Wallace populism that he's doing. What all do that now? many of us have fought for all our life is at stake, and we're not going down without a fight. Donald needs to know that. Today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. What truly matters is not which party controls our government, but whether our government is controlled by the people. January 20th, 2017, will be remembered as the day the people became the rulers of this nation again. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Everyone is listening to you now. You came by the tens of millions to become part of a historic movement, the likes of which the world has never seen before. And as we roll on, I mean, there you have, I mean, think about this. Look at the, if you want to know how abusively biased, corrupt your news media is, the destroy Trump media is, just, it was a funeral on election night. And then the president-elect saying, we're going to give our country back to the people of this country, the forgotten men and women. And I've always said that is what this election is all about. That's why I'm so frustrated with Republicans, because at the end of the day, if they would just keep their promises, serve the people of this country, turn this economy around, safety and security and prosperity, then they'd stay in power forever. But, of course, they're afraid of their own shadow. All right. Let me go back to this toughest moment. Dave Bossie with us. Corey Lewandowski. Let Trump be Trump. The inside story of the rise to the presidency. Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. All right. Let me go back to the Access Hollywood thing, because that was the moment. And there were, I remember hearing it for the first time. And I remember, okay, this is rough. October surprise. We, we're not newbies to this business, none of us. And, you know, I'm now in my 30th year on radio, 23rd year on Fox. We knew that that was going to be tough. What happened on the inside, Dave? Well, there was a, there was a moment when we all got together and, and had to talk about that. Uh, and, and, and we were in debate prep, Sean. We were in debate prep when, when Hope Hicks got the, uh, the call from uh, the Washington Post reporter. And we had to interrupt the president and had to tell uh, or the, then the candidate and, and have to tell him about it. And we went through that. The, we, we, we made the video of the president talking about uh, the locker room talk. And then we went through the evening. And, and I got to tell you. Day, this was how many days before ele- uh, was, the uh, second debate? The, fr- the second debate was on a Sunday evening. This was Friday. Uh, this was on Friday yeah. uh, late afternoon. October so, 8th, 9th. Yeah, yeah, so we got basically a 48 hours before the, the second debate. And so we knew. Wh- that was his best debate by far. He crushed her. Crushed it. Look, so so we get together in the apartment in the president's residence, uh, you know, in Trump Tower on Saturday morning, uh, late morning, and uh, there's not a lot of us in there, uh, but Rudy Giuliani is there, Chris Christie, Kellyanne Conway, Steve Bannon, myself, uh, and then and a couple of others, and then Reince, um, Reince Priebus came in, and as the chairman of the RNC, and you know he had been a a very good. 
chairman of the RNC. He built the RNC. We don't need to build him up. He's a tremendous man in his own right, what he did to help us. But he came in and he said to the president, he said to the candidate, you got two choices. You can lose the biggest electoral landslide in modern American history, or you can drop out of the race. Those are your two choices. He said, I've heard from everyone across uh, the spectrum of Republican leadership, donors and, and leaders in Washington, and that's what I'm here to give you that message. That news, yes. And it was dramatic. Um, How many people in the room said he could win? Uh, everybody else said we have to be able to get behind this, and the debate is crucial in doing so. Um, I, Steve say, ba- Steve I, say, Bannon, I say now in retrospect, I don't think I said it at the time, that he won the presidency in that next debate. I, he I, did. And you are correct. He did. But Steve, we went around the room, and the president said, what's my chances? What do you think? What do you think? And each person said their own little little bit of a, a little bit different than the next person. Steve Bannon was the only one who said, sir, 100% you're going to win. No matter what this is about, you're going to win. And what did, he, what did the candidate say? You know, the, the president looked at Reince and said, you know, Reince, uh, uh, if the Republican Party is going to run away from me, uh, you know, I, then I'm going to end up losing and it's going to take you all down with me. But don't worry about that because I'm going to win. And it was in that moment that we saw the president. We really did. It was in that moment that his his gravel really came. To you know, theme. people ask me because I've interviewed him a lot. We did all those town halls together. Corey, you were at 90 percent of them. Um, what is it about Donald Trump that stands out the most to you? And I, I said he's fearless. One of the most courageous people I've ever met and has it doesn't care a whit about what people are going to say about him. Sean, you're so right. And the, the pleasure of working for someone like that, when you get into a tough situation personally, right, he isn't beholden to the establishment. And he decided uh, to stand by staff when, you know, they get attacked in the media. We've seen them. The, the media attack his staff in the White House. He stands by him. We saw him attack the campaign staff. Attack his 11-year-old kid, his wife, and his daughter, well, for the, crying out loud. That's right. But the, the thing with Donald Trump is, and when you go back, and we talk about the Billy Bush tape uh, in the book a lot. When you go back and you read that book, what you see from him is a man who's willing to do and say things that others aren't willing to do because he believes in it. And that is such a relief. And he has true convictions. And he said to me during that weekend, I spoke to him, and he said, what do you think? I said, sir, you got to double down. He said, not even a question I'm doubling down because I didn't do it and I'm going to win and it wasn't there was no question in his mind Sean I had such a privilege right before we launched the campaign uh, it was me him and, and Melania Trump in his office right beforehand and I said sir it's time to go down that famous go- that escalator ride in Trump Tower said, sir it's time to go down and he looked at me and he said Melania what do you think and she said you will win and she said, and he said, how, how can you be so sure? She's done an amazing job. I, I've really gotten to know her. What a wonderful woman. Uh, all right, let me ask you both quickly about election night. What was it like for you? It, it, you know, election day is always the toughest day because as a mm-hmm. campaign guy, it's the day you have no control over really anything. They, their votes uh, are going to be counted. We sat in Trump Tower uh, that day. We had finished up early right in the morning. We finished up in Michigan it. overnight. Yeah. yeah, It was an amazing thing to see him give do his last rally past midnight in Michigan. We got home here in New York at about 3.30 in the morning. But then we spent the day. He went and voted. About 5 o'clock, I got the early exit polls from uh, somebody at ABC mm-hmm. News uh, that's in the book. And, 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 and look, we detail this. 510, Dave, I know well. 
Sean, Sean and I were texting at that day. That's <laughs> yes, sir. But, but, and, and so I looked at the numbers, and, and we were it was a gut punch. We were down. There were the, you, the, no, no, the no, media. No. You lost everything. Yeah, the media had us down. They were following eleven battleground states, what they call battleground states. North we Carolina, were down in eight, Ohio, right? Pennsylvania. You were we, down. We were down in eight of them. Florida. We were we were up in two and tied in one. I mean, it was a devastating. And by the way, we weren't down a point or two. We no. were down five, Crushed. six, eight points in all. Of, and there's not enough votes left in no. the evening to come back from. So that's what they're saying to you. They're building the narrative that you're going to get crushed. The numbers ended up being garbage is what they ended up being. Well, I made a phone call that day. I don't know if you remember, Corey. I don't know if you were there or who was with him. And I I called him directly. He used to have a cell phone then. (laughs) And I go, somebody's going to come into your office in a minute and give you really bad news. I said, the exit polls are a disaster. And then I told them the story about 2004. 2004, at 535 on this radio program, after the exit polls came out that said John Kerry was going to be the next president. It was just as bad. And Dick Cheney called this program. Now, it turned out Donald Jr. called the program about the same time uh, this election. And he goes, why do you believe that? Why do you know that? And I told him the story. And I think, you know, I said, just hold on. Let's let's see what happens here. What were you doing? You know, I was uh, I was a commentator for CNN. Uh, and grief. That was a mistake. It, you know, it's like going in the octagon every day with the eight on one. That was the only difference, right? And, you know, martial arts, I could have used your help a few times. Yeah. But, you know, Sean, um, the most disappointing part is we, I was talking to all the guys who were out in the field in the states, giving us real-time data, Florida, New Hampshire, South Carolina, North Carolina, all the battleground states. And I knew by about 11 o'clock that night Trump was going to win because we had the numbers. And we saw the way it was going. And I, I went to see Once I saw Wisconsin, I was that. What time did that get called? Uh, right around About midnight. And, yeah. and, I, and I said to Jeff Zucker and the team at CNN, Donald Trump's going to be the president. Call the race. You'll be the first network. I know numbers. He's going to win. Uh, they were magnanimous enough to call it after Hillary Clinton called and conceded the race. And they said, uh, with oh, breaking oh, news, wait. we can now tell you that there's a 99% certainty. I said, yeah. Hillary Clinton just conceded the race. Let me go into one policy thing. I know that. Yeah, our, our Steve Bannon says nationalism, populism. I haven't changed from who I am. I'm a Reagan me, conservative. Uh, me too. Same. All right. I argue that Trump's a Reagan conservative. More more so than anybody gives him credit for. I know. For. Like, look, this, look at everything up there. I wrote that in 2013. That's the, you know, that's the conservative solution caucus. Energy independence, smaller Judges. government, lower taxes, less right? Per, we're, uh, less regulation. Less regulation, more home ownership, you know, just more money in your pocket. This is what Trump is. Look, you go back, Sean, and look at an interview Donald Trump did in 1989 with Oprah Winfrey. He was talking about bad trade deals. He's talking about immigration. Proud to be an American again, right? We're not second to anybody in this world. It makes you proud but to be an American. because he was a New York businessman that had to navigate and thread a needle and, and use a razor's edge to get deals done. Okay, so he, he, played the, he played the game, which is smart, because otherwise you don't get to build the buildings if they hate your guts politically. And he was smart enough, shrewd enough to do that. So I'm going to tell you both, I, um, I've been going through the book. It's a phenomenal read. Fine, by the way, finally you bring me an autographed copy. It's a little late. <laughs> Um, I urge Today's the first day, Sean. (laughs) It's called an early copy for your buddies. That's what it's called. But um, you guys both, I've gotten to know you both. I consider you both dear friends. You're amazing people. Let Trump be Trump. The inside story of his rise to the uh, presidency. Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossy. It's in bookstores everywhere today. And it's online, Hannity.com. By the way, I did get to endorse the book. Which was nice, but Thank I endorse you. it now more than I, I've read it. I mean, you only told me what it was. At Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores anywhere. Both of you will be on Hannity tonight. We'll see you then. 
That's going to wrap things up for today. All right. Investigating the investigators. How is it those investigating Hillary Clinton are Clinton lovers? Those investigating Donald Trump are Trump haters. And what it all means to the ethics involved in these investigations. All right. We've got full coverage, a powerful opening monologue, news and information you won't get elsewhere. Newt Gingrich, Judge Pirro, Dan Bongino, Sarah Carter, John Solomon, Victoria Tunsing. Also, Dave Bossy, Corey Lewandowski. That's 9 Eastern tonight. See you then. Back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.